You are listening to the Revive the World Ministries podcast. We hope this message encourages you to be all God created you to be so that you can impact the world around you with the love and power of God. For more information about us, you can visit our website at revivetheworld.org or visit us in person each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We hope to connect with you soon. Jesus. Well, it's good to be back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it was a great time away. I wish I could tell you about it all, all right now. I'm sure there'll be bits and pieces that come out over, over time. And um, it was a glorious time. I'm, I'm super grateful for being able to, to get away. Um, it wasn't real easy for me the first couple of weeks because I just love what I do, and, and um, so it was really, really good, really life-changing for me, and uh, I found a beard, so <laughs> it was always there, you know, but it just kept getting rid of it, so I want to do something before I go any further. Sarah, will you come up here real quick? <clears throat> so I just want to, no, you don't, no, you, you, you don't. I don't think. I don't know. Maybe do come on over this way. <laughs> so I, I just want to honor Sarah for being the standing in and, and being the pastor while she was still being the worship pastor and doing everything. Any of you that have ever been in that sort of position, a lot of you will never understand. You know that uh, the weight of it, the responsibility of it, but also you know being able to get to do it in the call in her life. That's part of what you're created for you know so in in the things that are shifting and the way that she's implementing new things and change have all been really good and and so I'm just super grateful for you for you being yourself and you being willing to do this because without that I wouldn't have been able to get to do what I was able to and it helped change my life so we give just honor Sarah and give her a hand just thank you so much I love you yeah thank you Yeah, it's, it's just, you know, a lot of, uh, oh, you know what, let me, let me mention one more thing while it's, while it's right here for me. So, um, Revive School of Transformation, there are um, probably two weeks, they'd probably take applications, they'd probably, take, they'd probably accept a little bit later than that, but we're looking at the end of August, um, first week of September at the latest. And if you're considering going uh, to this, there's QR codes on the back, QR codes throughout this uh, in, and you'll see uh, my testimony, other people's testimonies in here. And uh, I am now officially, if you were on the fence about going, I am now officially the associate director of Revive School of Transformation. So that could very well push you one way or the other, I'm not sure which. Hopefully it's in the direction of going. Um, but this year of Revive School of Transformation is totally different than it ever has been before. There'll be more in-person live teaching than there ever has been. The modules, there's four modules on particular topics, on identity, on prophetic and hearing God, on healing and miracles, on inner healing. Um, so you're going to get really immersed in kingdom culture it's life like raise your hand if you've been through uh, revive school or issm you, you look around the room 
you see us and what you don't see is that Owen and, and Nikki Wald both went through it. Um, who, who else went through it that was on our team? Is that it? Linda went through it, who's, who's also needs prayer right now um, for her heart. If you think about that, pray for, for healing for Linda. Um, so there's been a lot of us. It's absolutely changed our lives. I don't, I'm not trying to convince you of it. I'm just saying pray into it. If you were considering going, it's well worth it, not just because I'm there, but because it did help change my life and the course of everything that we're doing. So those pamphlets are over there. So now let me get back to, to what I was going to talk about. This may be a two-parter um, because for, for time's sake, because I have so many things that are swirling around in my head. You know, I was off for a long, you know, I was eight weeks, so I got like, whew, you know, I'm fired up on a weekly basis usually anyway, and so then you give me that much time to get a lot of revelation, and, and uh, I really just want to feed you with a fire hose, but I'm going to be careful um, today. And so just thinking, you know, in terms of how Sarah took over for eight weeks um, in, in a, you know, being the pastor here and, you know, being a pastor, if you've, you've never experienced that kind of leadership before, you know, a lot of us aren't called to that. That's okay. You know, we're called to a lot of different kingdom things. You know, there were over 4,000 churches that closed last year. And that's not just because of COVID. That's, that's, that's been happening for lots of years. Um, uh, 15 to 1700. Uh, these are loose statistics or numbers, but around 1500 pastors left uh, the ministry every month last year. Uh, that's not uncommon either. There are thousands, thousands, and thousands every year that that leave the ministry for um, for different reasons. And so, what I want to talk to you about today is is why some of those things happen and how you can relate it to your own personal life. Because I believe in doing so, as I talk about this and just dig through the scriptures, um, that it's going to expose some of the things that the enemy is doing to people. Uh, Because, you know what, the last thing in the world I want you to be is warfare-minded. And by that, I mean somebody who constantly focuses on warfare, because whatever we focus on gets bigger, the biblical principle of magnification, but... In light of that, we also cannot be so ignorant of the enemy's devices that we begin to look at all natural things as if it were the only way that bad things were happening in our life. So there, there, must, there must be a balance in the two because we realize, as, you, as I look through some of these scriptures, that when you signed up for this Christian life, you entered into war. <laughs> you entered into a war that's actually already been won because we fight for victory, we don't fight for it. Like we don't need to win uh, the cross won, Jesus' blood won, but when, you know what, who, who doesn't recognize that as much as maybe you might think he should is, is the devil. <laughs> and so once you get saved, I, I'm, I'm convinced that he can't steal your salvation. Right? He's not gonna. He's not gonna keep you out of heaven. You'd have to do something uh, extreme, and I don't mean in the sense of sin. I mean in the sense of just turning your back on God and completely renouncing Him, which rarely happens, but it but it does. Um, and, and so it's unfortunate, but those are rare cases. And so once you've said yes to Jesus, you know you've you've sealed the deal, right? The Holy Spirit has sealed you until the day uh, of redemption. It says in Ephesians, and so, but. Since he can't keep you out of heaven, the next best thing would be to cause 
spiritual apathy in your life or get you convinced of things that aren't true so that you will not impact people or use the influence that he gave you to actually reveal his goodness in his love to the rest of the world. That, that's what he's after. He's after your, he's after your call. He's, he's after your influence. He's after your time. He's after your attention. He wants to distract you. He wants to pull you away from the things that, that God has created you for and ultimately what He really, really, really longs to do to you and to I is to actually cause your love to grow cold. Because it's the number one weapon that we have. He wants, He wants desperately to see us stop loving, stop loving extravagantly. That, that's what he wants. And so, now I know that there are life situations, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that too, that come in. So I'm not, I'm not going to give credit to the, to the devil for things he shouldn't get credit for. But I also feel like that there'll be some revelation today of, of possibly where some, some lies have, have been sown. They just come as seeds, right? And they come at our weakest moments usually. I remember hearing Ben Armstrong, who's the head of the prophetic teams at Bethel, I remember hearing him say at a prophetic school we went to back in 18, he said, never doubt in the darkness what you've believed in the light. Never doubt in the darkness what you've believed in the light. And the darkness is those moments where the presence of God may not be as extravagant as it was when you were in worship today. Right? Those dark moments are those th- times when you may have had met fail- failure face to face or when catastrophe may have come or, or when premature death may have come into your family or sickness or hard times and, or broken relationships or whatever it was, in, in, those, in those moments, those feel like dark moments to us at times. And what the enemy tries to do is he tries to come in and he tries to sow doubt into our minds because it's just a seed and it just starts very little. I don't think that, I don't think that he's some wicked genius I don't, I don't uh, give him credit for being, for being super powerful, even though I know he, I know he has power. I've, I've seen him do it, but I've seen, the, I've seen the Holy Spirit conquer his power every time. <laughs> you know, so, but I do believe that he is very patient in what he does. But in doing that, and he try, he, what happens is he is so prideful that he will always expose his hand if we will pay attention. And so... This, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10, this has been a particular passage that, that theologians have thought about and argued over for a long time. I don't know why, personally. I'm no theologian, but I think that the Scripture is very plain in what it says, personally. Um, but 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, in the New King James translation, it says, and lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations, this is Paul talking, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. That's what they argue over right there, the thorn in the flesh. What was the thorn in Paul's flesh? Was it blindness? Was it sickness? Will you find out if you just keep reading? A messenger of Satan to buffet me. You probably don't use buffet in your, in your language. We use the word buffet though, Right? which I've told you before I'd stay away from if at all possible, (laughs) personally. (laughs) Used to love them and just don't eat that much anymore, so I just can't get my money's worth. But uh, that word word buffet 
in the Greek means to strike repeatedly. A messenger of Satan was sent to, st- to strike him or to attack him repeatedly. You got it? So, a messenger of Satan sent to strike me repeatedly, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I plead with the Lord three. T- I pled with the Lord three times that it might depart from me, and He said to me, "My grace is sufficient for you, and my strength is made perfect in weakness." Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Verse ten. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. It's a real important part of that scripture. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let me back up into verse 10. It says, therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities. It almost sounds like, if, if you didn't translate that word in the Greek, it almost sounds like that he is, is finding enjoyment, right? He's finding enjoyment in those things. You think, well, Paul must have been a little bit demented. No, that's, that's not the case. Actually, what he's saying is, he's saying that I, I rejoice, I celebrate the fact that I'm able to suffer for the sake of Christ. Now, not everything that comes upon us is, is an attack from the enemy. Not everything that comes upon us is persecution um, because of, of our, our identity as sons and daughters in Christ. But there are things that do, and that's what Paul's talking about. He's talking about the things that have come upon me. Because if you've read in 2 Corinthians, you'll find out, even if you back, or, uh, back up a chapter, and Paul talks about all the, the beatings that he took and the time that he was shipwrecked and, and how he didn't have food and how he was naked and destitute and how people had betrayed him and all those things. Like Paul went through it, and he's saying... When, even when I was going through these things, regardless of what I was facing, I actually rejoiced. I found in myself a, a place deep within him that he was able to rejoice in the fact that he was going through these things because he knew he was facing them for the sake of Christ. So, the reason I believe that so many people so many ministers of the gospel, and I just use pastors as an example because the, the statistics are staggering, honestly, of the, of the people that give up and quit. I'll, I'll relegate a portion of them probably not ever called to do it. Some people go and thought, this is what, it's, it's not like, th- this is not like I want to be a, a, a nurse or I want to be a a lawyer, or I want to be a hairstylist, I want to be a teacher, whatever you want to be. It's, it's, it's different because you can have a passion to do those things, get the education to do them, get the skills to do them, and then go and do them. And if you enjoy them, you'll be able to do it. And it's not necessary that you have grace and an anointing to necessarily do that, even though you could have. Because skilled positions, labor positions, and all kinds of positions we, we find within the Bible that they had anointings and giftings to do that, but you don't necessarily have to have that to do some of these. But to do, to do some of these ministry positions, if you don't have a grace and an anointing, what the first thing the enemy will do is he'll, he'll challenge you, and, and he will make sure he comes at you like he did Paul. But Paul had the grace and anointing to do what he was doing, and because of that, when the enemy was coming after him time after time, he was able to not quit. And why is that? He says it, what the Lord said to him, because it wasn't like 
he, was, he wasn't enjoying the attacks because if he was enjoying the attacks and was just okay with them, even though he was rejoicing, he wouldn't have prayed and said, hey, could you, you think you could take this from me? You know, like, I, I, I'd rather this go than stay. Like, could you get this, this guy off my back? And God said, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient because grace is the divine enablement, the empowerment upon mankind, the heart of mankind, to be able to do the things that God has asked of us. And so the ones that aren't called, aren't equipped, ones that just chose it as a career, find out quickly that this isn't a career that you just choose. It's something that you get chosen for. All right? And so, it, with that, so excluding those people, there's a whole lot that are still leaving the ministry. And now more than ever, there's more Christian that I have met that don't count the Word of God as infallible uh, truth anymore, that don't think that you need to minister the gospel to people, that you can just, just, live, just live a regular life as a Christian and just go to heaven and, and that's okay. Let me be clear, that doesn't change the love of God for you. It doesn't change the way He feels about you. It doesn't change the way He looks at you. But it does bring into question, what did I mean when I say I give my life to you? What's, what's that mean? What's that mean for me? What, what, because I... I know that we're all familiar with surrender in the room, right? And surrendering and everything that the gospel entails throughout uh, the scriptures in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, everything that Jesus says in his teaching has, has nothing to do with me getting to pick my own life back up and, and getting to do what I, I, I choose. I'm not saying I don't get choices, I'm saying that he got my yes from the very beginning, and I don't take it back off the table because bad things happen. Now, Paul went, Paul went through it, right? Paul knew that he had entered into war when he, he came in, and, and I'll get to, to what that looks like here, so just, just bear with me. But what I want to do is I, I want to turn your attention to some of the scriptures that, that I don't often turn to. I occasionally will teach on them, but I have been reluctant at times just because I didn't want to push you in a direction. You're, you're all grown. You're going to make your own choices. You, you know, you're mature. And so I, what I'm going to begin to do in my teaching, you know, we just put this stuff out there and you do whatever you so choose with it, but please do it under mentorship and, and submitting to one another and, and hanging around other believers that have like passions and desires, you know what I mean? So I can't be afraid that you're going to become warfare-minded just because I, I, I hit a bunch of these scriptures because I really do believe that, that now more than ever that the enemy is infiltrating the body of Christ and he's looking to destroy generation. I mean, if you look what's happening in our school system, if you look what's happening to the younger generation, you, you, you can't, if you, you would have to be absolutely blind, blinded by lies to, to not see that there is an attack on all of our, all of our existence as the body of Christ. But with that, 
you know that the Father knows everything from the beginning to the end, and He has a solution. There's always a solution. There's always a plan. There's always, he's, uh, he's, like, he's like he's telling Paul, I've got grace for you in this season. Like, I've got grace for the body of Christ. Will you seek me and find these things out? Or will you just allow the enemy to continue to assault you and steal your destiny? What are you going to do? Because there's choices. Like I said, the, in, the, that the Lord gives us choices, not just in what we do, but how we do things because like in first or second or first Thessalonians 5 is that it says do not quench the spirit and another translation it says don't put out the spirit's fire it says you you don't do it that means you can do it right and that's what the enemy when i look at quenching the spirit or putting out the fire of the holy spirit it is literally it's love growing cold It's, it's love growing cold. And I mean, what Paul told Timothy, he said, you fan into flame the gift of God that's on the inside of you. He didn't say, I'll be there. I'll preach you into it. He didn't say, get on YouTube. He, he, didn't, he, said, right? he didn't say, read a book. He, he said, look, you fan into flame the gift of God that's on the inside of you. I said, man, God, you know, Papa, how do I, how do I fan into flame? He said, worship, he said, worship me. Worship fans into flame everything inside you. <laughs> He said, what'd you do? He just, not long ago, he told me, he said, what'd you do at the beginning? What'd you do at the beginning of your walk when you were burning for me? Thankfully, I'm still burning. <laughs> but there have been times when I wasn't burning as much as others. There have been times when my love wasn't as extravagant as it was at other times. He said, what'd you do at the beginning? I said, I worshiped you. Sometimes, a lot of times, I didn't even have music. I, I learned to worship you without music. I read your word, I prayed, and I fasted. Those are the things that I did. Those were the four principles in my life. Those are the four principles that brought me to this place right now. Those are the four principles that I believe that God is in. It, get, he, he just said, look, I'll begin to give you more if you'll just begin to get, do these simple things. I thought, all right, I can, I can do that because I need, I need it to be simple. <laughs> And he didn't make it complicated, but sometimes it's easy to lose sight of the things that got us to the place that we are right now currently or brought us into a place of burning originally and think, I need something different. I need something new. And so Paul, I believe, continued to model those things. And then he said things, he said things like <clears throat> in 2 Timothy chapter 1, let me just turn your attention. I'm going to hit some of these verses real quick, and I'm not going to necessarily expound a whole lot on them, but I just want to, to highlight this stuff so that we see from the Bible's perspective what we're doing in this Christian life. 2 Timothy chapter 2, I'll just start in verse 1. It says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, it seems to be a common theme, right? Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you had heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. It, you know, hardship, are you familiar with what hardship is? 
uh, like in the military, also in the Department of Corrections, wh- whenever uh, a family member uh, is dying, uh, they will ship you to a closer base as a hardship transfer. It's because you're going, it's because you're going through something that's, that's tough in life. You face a situation that you actually need to be closer to your family, and they've deemed it as something that's hard enough to, to send you closer. <clears throat> so, you therefore endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Verse 4, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may place, please him who enlisted him as a good soldier. And if anyone competes in athletics, he is crowned. He is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer also, hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Consider, consider what I am saying. May the Lord give you understanding in all things. Endure hardship as a good soldier. He made that as a statement so Timothy would know that this life is not easy, that you will face hard things. And you will have choices within those hard things. And what will you do? Because Jesus gave me everything that he, uh, that, that, that he showed me my value at the cross. And, and he gave me everything I never deserved. And he doesn't owe me anything else. <sighs> I love what Bill Johnson said. If you watch that message after Benny passed away and went to heaven. He said, you know, God doesn't owe me anything. I don't, I don't, he doesn't work for me. (laughs) I work for him. (laughs) Yeah, he's, he's not my employee. (laughs) It's, 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 it's so easy sometimes to to get that twisted. And so he says, endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare. He relegates this or relates this to actually being an active active battle. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. What's that mean? This is what I hear him saying personally. No one engaged in warfare allows the affairs or civilian life to actually distract them from the focus that they have, the mission that they are on. And I believe that's one of the number one things that the, that the enemy does is he brings distraction. And sometimes the good things, and this is what I challenge you to do right now in this season of your life, say, Holy Spirit, what is the distraction? What's getting too much of my time and my attention in my, in my head space? Who, who, what am I giving up too much real estate in here to right now? Because I've had good things in my life that I've, I've thought about too much, too often. The Holy Spirit said, that's, that's a distraction to you right now. You're losing focus. You're you're meditating on natural things, which will only bring about natural results. But if you'll meditate on supernatural things, it will bring supernatural results to your situation. So now, he tells tells Timothy that, and then look in Ephesians. Y'all are familiar with this. Ephesians chapter 6. (laughs) <laughs> right? <clears throat> Should we read the whole thing? Ephesians chapter, not the whole chapter 6, just verse 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let me put it in context. Let me read it all. 
10 through 17. 10 through 17. It'll give you enough context. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You see this theme from, from chapter 12 in 2 Corinthians and in 2, 2 Timothy chapter 2. And then here it, it says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. In other words, he, he's saying again, be dependent upon him. Whether it's being dependent upon his, it, being dependent upon his grace, upon his strength, that's all the same thing. It's saying it different ways, but it's all, it's all the same thing. Be dependent upon him because natural strength and fighting out of my human strength or out of my emotional strength or out of anything within my humanity will not get this done. It won't do it. It's just you, you and I just, you can't fight. You, you can't fight with natural strength, supernatural beings. It just doesn't work. But when I surrender to him, and I actually, on a daily basis, choose. I love Dave Knoll said this yesterday when we were at the pastors. Um, we, we were doing a pastor's refreshing. And um, he said, you know what the beautiful thing is? We were asking people why they said yes. What's your why? why? What was your original why? Why did you start doing what you're doing in the first place? We were trying to take them back to remember what, what started you in this thing. And he said the beautiful thing about this is that it's very similar to marriage, is that when you said yes on your wedding day, it was not the last time that you would say yes, but it was just the first time. It was the first of many. And a good marriage will choose one another every day thereafter. I'll say yes to you again. Sometimes I'll tell Lindsay that randomly. I'll just say, I choose you again. You know, actions speak louder than words, but it's nice to hear it too, all right? And, and so with this thing with the Lord, it's like, okay, I'm going I'm to choose to surrender to you again today because I can pick up my surrender at any moment, but I'm going to choose to lay this thing back down because by doing that, my submission says I'm dependent upon you. And first and foremost, though you're my father and though you're my friend, and though you're my protector and my provider and my healer and my miracle worker and my way maker and all those amazing things, first and foremost, what he was at the beginning is what he always will be is he's my Lord. Right? How does it say you get saved? You confess Jesus as Lord. <laughs> you don't confess him as father or friend even though he is that. He becomes that immediately because you become a son or a daughter. But the first thing is understanding his lordship because he wants us to realize that my surrender to him is the best thing I could ever do for me, not for him. Because it says I am dependent upon your strength. I am dependent upon your grace. I'm dependent upon you because I know that his will for all of us is for us to never be defeated by any of the enemy's plans. Like that's, that's his... Like, that's what a good father, you know, <laughs> I, uh, I hate to use this analogy, but I, I'm, I'm going to, so, <laughs> no, let me skip that one, so, <laughs> let me use one that's less violent for you guys, <laughs> well, sports, <laughs> I was going to go with fighting, but we'll go with sports, okay, <laughs> so, no good, even decent father would send their son or their daughter out onto the playing field. I don't care what it is. You, what, chess, ping pong, lacrosse, 
football, whatever you like, right? No good father would hope or even have an expectation that their child would lose. It's just not in the nature of a good parent, right? And the last thing they would ever want to see that child do within that, if it was a contact sport, would see them get hurt, right? I remember watching my son, we, me and Owen were talking about football not long ago, and, and uh, I, I remember telling him uh, one of the, the, the scariest times for me is because our son Bryler would return kicks, on kickoff, you know, and, and that's where most concussions occur because you're running full speed at one another. Somebody's running full speed at you and you have the most distance between you where there's a collision. Now, I personally love that stuff. I loved it growing up. I'm just that kind of guy. And if you don't like it, I'm sorry. But it was, it, it was, it was still when I would watch him as fast as he was and how he could elude defenders, I still knew there was a possibility of him getting hurt. There are many times we watched him get hit and you could hear it up in the stands and you just thought, it, you just, you take a breath and you just hold it and you're like, and you almost, it's almost like you don't breathe until you see them stand up on, on, in their own strength, right? So it was the, the last thing, I, I, and I'm just a, a mediocre parent compared to the father at best. So he doesn't want us to get hurt in, the, in this life that we are in. It's not, it's not his plan. It's, it's not what he intends. And so it says, <clears throat> Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Why in the world would you need armor if you were not in a battle? <laughs> Even though this armor is, is, is much more comfortable than the armor that they wore those days. Stuff was heavy. So <laughs> put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He didn't say if. He didn't say maybe. He said so that you can. Some people say, oh, well, the devil's just after me. He just hates me. He, he, just let me clear it up for you. He hates all of humanity. He hates himself. He just hates it's all he can do, right? That's all he's got in him. It's, it's not because you're special in that way, even though you are very special. And yes, you're God's favorite and all those things. I love that. But I'm telling you that he just hates all of humanity. He, he really does. And so any opportunity... The, the, what I find out, the two people that, that will face the most, most, all warfare, most warfare, I won't say all, is, is all in your mind. It's all the attack of your mind. I'm not saying it's a figment of your imagination. I'm saying that it is an attack on your, on your, on your conscience. It's an attack on anywhere mentally that will affect you emotionally that will therefore affect you physically, or an attack that will, will bring about a thought that will create a belief, that will create choices that turn into a lifestyle that oppose kingdom life. And so, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, 
For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. He's just saying, hey, look, this is what you're facing. That person that attacked you. Sometimes it's not on their own accord, right? The hurtful things that were said to you. Sometimes it's not, some, yeah, sometimes it comes from a place of hurt. Sometimes it, it comes from, you know where accusation always comes from? Accusation always comes from the enemy because he's the accuser of the brethren. So when people start making accusations against me that aren't true, I know, I know where they come from. And so it helps me to, to separate the fact that I am, I am not dealing with, with flesh and blood. That some people get influenced by the enemy and I'm like, okay, my responsibility and and my privilege in this moment is to love you out of this place and to love you you regardless of what you say to me or how you say it or how hurtful it may be. (laughs) And so... This is, he's, he's telling, we fight against, we fight against demonic power, therefore take up the whole armor of God. He said, he, he said it twice in just a breath, right? Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. <laughs> it was like the evil day was then and the evil day is now. Like there's been evil in the world since the beginning. Right, like, wow, man, it's getting darker. Well, you know what? You're just more aware of it because of the internet. <laughs> it's been, it's been, it's been <laughs> more aware of it. And we used to call it cage courage after the bars had locked and people would say crazy things at night. Now we call it it's a social media courage. People have lots of courage behind a keyboard, right? They say all kinds of crazy things. <laughs> and, and so we, we just are exposed to more darkness than before because we're aware, we have, we have more awareness of it because of, of technology. And technology is an amazing thing and it's used for, for beautiful things. And, but just like the Bible, it can be used for good or bad, right? It's just like anything in the world. And so, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. That's a military term that actually means when you've done all to fight, be ready to fight again. This is what I've been guilty of in, in good times and when things are going well, is that it's easy to let your foot off the gas. And in tough times, Oh, when you're tired, when you're, when you're wore out, when you're, when you're beat up, that's why Paul said in Galatians 6, don't grow weary in well-doing. He said it because, I, I said this on Wednesday, he said it because it's possible to grow weary when you're, you're doing good. <laughs> he didn't say it because it wasn't possible. But when those things happen, I have found myself at times, you can get a little lethargic. Like, hey, I'll just skip that. Don't feel like worshiping. Don't feel like reading. Don't feel like going. Don't feel like reaching out. Don't feel like praying for this person. Don't feel like. And before I know it, I'm caught up in my feelings. And my feelings are dictating my actions. And they're a cruel master. (laughs) But when that happens, that's always an indicator that my feelings are, are being moved by something else. My feelings are being moved by 
my thoughts. A feeling will always lead you back to what you believe. If I, if I explore it, I'll find out why I feel that way. You with me? Okay. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and all supplication for all the saints. I'm going to stop there. Take the helmet of salvation, sword of the Spirit, shield of faith, breastplate of righteousness. It's getting revelation on these things helps me to walk in the armor of God. You, you, know, you know what is, is not helpful? Is, you know, I, I, like, I like this. I've heard it taught. Is that like, oh, I'm just going to put on the armor of God today, and then I'm going to be okay. Well, that's, that's a nice thought. But if I don't have a revelation on, on what these things are, the breastplate of righteousness is what? It, it's, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I, when I was on sabbatical, I'm like, God, what does that mean? He said, you, you actually are an example of what it looks like to be in right standing with me by no uh, work of your own. <laughs> I'm like, that's amazing. I started to get a revelation of what righteousness is. That's the, bless, that's the breastplate. It guards all your vital organs, mainly your heart, Right? It's the helmet of salvation. It's the salvation that I have received through Jesus. Getting deeper revelation of the finished work of the cross helps guard my mind so that when thoughts enter in that don't line up with the kingdom, I recognize them immediately. And I don't let them fester. Regardless of how I feel or the spiritual state that I may be in or what's going on in my life or the disappointments that I have faced. I'm going to be real Real, real with you here in just a, just a moment, but I'm trying to get somewhere and then I'll wrap up with it, okay? Because I want to talk a little bit about an experience I had during sabbatical. So the helmet of salvation is the shield of faith, right? It quenches the fiery darts of the enemy. What's that? It's, it's faith that I already have in me. You were given a measure of faith. Look at Romans 12, 3. Everybody's been given a measure of faith. You say, well, my, feel, my shield doesn't feel, feel very big. Well, I don't care what it feels like. <laughs> Remember, your feelings don't care about your future, but what the word, what's the Word of God say? It says, that I have a, it says that I have a shield, and so I'm going to use it. <clears throat> it quenches the fiery darts. Of, what are those darts of the enemy? Those are, those are going after your mind. Those are going after my mind. Their thoughts, that's his, that's his main tactic, if you haven't figured it out already. Joyce Meyer wrote a beautiful book about the battlefield of the mind. That's where the war is waged. It's right here. And when disappointments and discouragement and we get tired and things happen that don't turn out like we want them to or like we prayed them to, that's when those things get bombarded upon our minds. And he's like, right now's the time. Right now's the time. I got them. The enemy walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. 1 Peter 5, 8, Why it says, be sober, be vigilant. <laughs> be sober, be vigilant. That's, I mean, even in that context, be sober, be vigilant. It's being sober-minded. It's also being sober. Like, 
Don't get wasted. You know why? Because when that happens, you're, you're actually, there's times your morals and your decision making start to sway from, from what they actually are. You're less likely to respond to the Spirit of God in that state of mind. Be sober, be vigilant, because he roars about like, he walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You know what lions do? You, are you familiar with when they hunt? They pick off the weakest one in the in the. It's the, the weakest one in the bunch, the wounded one, the first one they target. Why? Takes less energy. Easier to hunt, right? It's it it, it's, it paints a picture. Is the enemy's looking for weakness? He's looking for hard times. He's looking when we go through things so that he can capitalize on. And he's like, maybe, maybe I can make them quit. Maybe I can make them give up. I can just see it. And, and, and pastors, right, that leave the ministry every month. I'd be lying to you if I hadn't thought about giving up. I couldn't tell you how many times. Can't even count. And every time I can look back and I can account it to the fact that I was tired, that I was disappointed, that I wasn't seeing things I hoped for. And in those moments, those thoughts came and I began to recognize them. Those thoughts of quitting, I began to recognize them. I'm like, those aren't my thoughts. That isn't me because I don't quit. I actually am one of those breed of people that was born with a never give up attitude. It's just the way that I am. It was instilled in me through sports. I love sports for that reason. I don't love it for the performance mentality that I had gained through it, but thank God free from now, at least for the most part, I think. And so, but I, I had recognized this isn't, this isn't my thought. It's like a thought coming that you should kill yourself. Like that's not your thought. That didn't come from inside you, right? Some people will have thoughts of, about whether it's sexual sin or different things that they're struggling with, they're like, oh, this thought came to my mind, I'm not free. No, that's what the devil would love for you to believe. <laughs> if he could love, he would love for you to believe that you're not free because that thing's not coming from inside you, it's coming for you. <laughs> and if he can get you to believe that it's still in you, then it might as well be in you because <laughs> it's going to be no different. It's going to be that battle that I'm consistently fighting that I've already actually won. <laughs> for the weapons, for the weapons, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm going to wrap up with this. Verses 3 through 5, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Look, this you, you see a common theme here in the scriptures that I'm reading? Paul talks a lot about war. <laughs> Let me state this first. You're a son, you're a son and, and daughter first. But that makes you a soldier of Jesus Christ. Because you got enlisted in, not just into to, to come to church on Sunday. You got enlisted into the, the ecclesia, in, into, into the, the body of Christ. As a family of God, as the bride of God, we get to enforce the victory that Jesus won at the cross. And so, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. This isn't a thing that we fight with our human strength. I believe that I drove that point home enough. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, 
but mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. What's that point us to? The fact that the battle's in our minds. You know that word warfare, the Greek definition, actually means military service? Figuratively, it means the apostolic career or one of hardship and danger. <laughs> it's not often what we like in American culture, right? You're like hardship. Some people, like places like Pakistan and the Middle East, where you're, you grow up around violence, you know, and now some of us may have grown up around violence, but not like them. It's a cultural thing where it's just been war and seen at times throughout history, the, the streets just lined with bodies. I mean, Karachi, six years ago, that there was a curfew because you had to be in by dark. The, there was just bodies just lined the streets. They were just wrapped up in rugs. People were just being killed constantly. It's just war. That's a war zone. They grow up in that. That's familiar to them. You and I didn't grow up in a war zone, even though some of our homes may have felt like a war zone at times. It's just different. You have a different men, we have a different mentality, and that's not a bad thing. But it does mean when we look at these scriptures that it's important for us to be able to see them through the eyes of the author and say, okay, what's this mean for me? What's this mean for me? How do I implement this in my life? How do I, how do I, how do I fight? How do I fight, wage a good warfare? How do I do this without getting caught up with what the enemy's doing constantly? All right, because that's not what I want to focus on. I want to focus on what the Father's doing and not be ignorant of what the enemy's doing. <clears throat> and one of the things I feel like that he's attacked more than ever before in the body of Christ in my limited vision right now is spiritual apathy. Spiritual apathy, it's basically you just... Let me say it. Let me say it a different way. It's basically just spiritual laziness and being okay with it. And when that happens, the guard comes down. When the guard comes down and I'm not conscious of the thoughts that are coming into my mind, I easily will grab a hold of them and think they're just mine. Doubt sneaks in, doubt leads to unbelief, and unbelief leads to something that's a spirit legitimizes, actually doubt can legitimize unbelief when I meditate on it long enough. And so here's, here's a little bit of my experience that I had when I, I went into, I went into sabbatical. So I, like I said, I'm just going to, I've always modeled vulnerability with you guys and, and um, I just want to continue to do that. And, you know, when I went into the sabbatical, I told you guys, like, I did that for, we're modeling rest. It wasn't because I, I necessarily needed it. It wasn't because, definitely wasn't because of a fall or sin issues or any of that. It wasn't because of any of that stuff. It was because every seven years we're modeling sabbatical or modeling biblical rest. Um, we got it from New Covenant <clears throat> in Newcastle. And it's important that we model that to you guys. We model it for one another um, because... We because we need it, you know what I mean. You need just if you're even you're like I'm not. Even though I'm not burnt out, this is a good place 
for, I, should go, I should go rest because it's so easy in, in the day-to-day life of, of what I get to do or, or what you guys do in your normal life. You get so busy that oftentimes you don't have a lot of reflection time. And I can, busy, I can, do my, I can keep myself real busy with a lot of busy work and, and a lot of good work and constantly going and not getting a lot of time because it's so easy to, to not, you know, you, you read the word for yourself, and, but there's always that, that thing in your head. You're like, how could I teach that? How, could, how am I going to articulate that? How am I going to? That's just the mindset of, a, of somebody who gets to teach. It's just, you know, you're thinking, how do I apply that? How do I share that with other people? Man, that's going to be good. All that stuff. And sometimes you're not feeding yourself like you should. And so this time was, was good for me to, to learn that in new ways and ultimately to learn to trust God. I trust God more than I ever have before. Lindsay and I's marriage is stronger and better than it ever has because that's one of my prayers going into sabbatical. One of those things was just spending time together. One of those things was, you know, learning to implement what the law of priority is in, in marriage, that your spouse comes before anyone or anything uh, other than Jesus. And if you're giving your energy, all of your energy, other places other than your spouse, and you're violating the law of priority, and it's not going to turn out well for your marriage. So some of those things, just getting that mindset right. But in going into that, you know, I was going into uh, a time where I spent I did RTF, Restoring the Foundations Inner Healing, and I did, uh, I did 15 hours of inner healing in two and a half days, and um, I don't suggest that to anybody, don't do that. Um, I'm, I'm sometimes an overachiever in a good way, and bite off more, you know, it's like the, it's the buffet mentality, your eyes are bigger than your belly, you know, you're like, I get all this food and you can't eat it, um, so I thought, oh, I can do this in two and a half days, and I could, but not everything you can do doesn't mean you should do. <laughs> and so, but leading up to that time, I sensed, I sensed this frustration building in me. And, and, and Lindsay noticed it, and, and we talked about it multiple times leading up to RTF. And I said, I don't know exactly where it's coming from, or what's going on, but I know Jesus is dealing with it. I know, I know that it's, it's getting worked up out of me. It's just kind of the process. And, and it's good to be able to recognize that because when you're feeling frustrated, there's something wrong, right? There's, a, there's something going on there. And so I didn't know exactly what it was, but when I went into it, um, I, began to, I began to ask myself questions. I began to ask myself questions if, you know, I'd, I'd been sick for a year and a half or whatever from going to Pakistan. I'd, over the last eight and a half years of ministry, I, I can't tell you how many friendships have been broken or lost or whatever, and people, you know, leave, and all the things that happen in ministry, and all the things that are, they're, they're tough, right? It's just, it's just, it's, it's the tough part of it, and, and I begin to ask myself, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Like, is it worth it to continue on in the journey? Like, you know, it's a, it's a solid question, right? It's, uh, but it, but it came, it came from this place that I didn't realize I, I've, there was an attack of the enemy that was, was on, on me. And, and part of it, I think, is going overseas in, in the Middle East and things like that. But part of it, I didn't recognize soon enough. So it, it began to, he began to poke and prod me. And he began to put thoughts in my mind. And, and I believe that that question, even though it could have been initiated by me, I believe that some of it he hoped that he would sow doubt into my mind of whether or not this thing, this kingdom thing's really worth it. And so 
when I went through my first day of inner healing, the first session, which part of it is, you know, kind of a getting to know you and answering questions. It's still, it's, every session is three hours. And when I came back from that session into the place that I was staying, I was just walking around, kind of minding my own business. I think I might even been paying attention to a game uh, on my phone. And it was just me there. And I just began to involuntarily just pray in, in the Holy Spirit. And I don't mean just like a little bitty, quiet, sweet prayer. I mean like going off uh, in, in a way that I knew I've found out. I've prayed, I've been praying just long enough to realize when something is, is a warfare prayer, <laughs> even when I don't know what I'm saying, and when it's intercession or when it's something different. And so I knew this was, I was fighting <laughs> The Spirit of God was fighting through me by no power of my own. And as I finished praying, I heard the Spirit of God say, you know that this isn't, this isn't about you. This is about generations and nations. <laughs> you think that you're fighting for yourself? You think that you, what you're fighting for right now is all about you? He was reminding me, this isn't, this isn't about you. He's attacking you so that he hopes he can steal your destiny. He's attacking you so that he hopes he can steal your legacy. He's attacking you so that he hopes he can, he can stop the generational blessing that's coming through your life. He's hoping that you'll train your kids up in some other way than the way of the Lord. He's hoping that he can make you quit so that the people that you were created to impact won't get impacted through you. I'm not saying they won't ever get impacted. That God's God and He can do whatever He wants any way that He wants to do it. But I don't know about you, but I sure want to be a part of it. That's what I signed up for. And when I thought about it a little bit longer after I prayed that prayer, it was a resounding yes that regardless of what it costs me, even though it may hurt me, even though it may not feel good, even though I'll let Jesus heal my heart through it all and wade through it and it may not always be good times, it's absolutely 100% worth it. If one life is changed through my life and through our ministry, it's worth it. If one life is changed through your life, regardless of what you suffer, regardless of the hardship and the things that you endure and the affliction and all of the stuff, regardless of what you face, the disappointments and the hurts that you go through and the crazy things people might say because of the, your beliefs and the kingdom things that you stand for, regardless of all that stuff, if one life is impacted through yours, it's all worth it. It's absolutely 100% worth it because that one life will change one family. That one family could change who knows. It was like the evangelist that was at the tent meeting where Billy Graham was and nobody was showing up and he just wondered, should we just close it up? God said, don't do it. Impacted one life that night. Teenage boy gave his life to Jesus. A teenage boy led multitudes of people to Jesus. Who knows? That may be why you're here. Maybe why uh, maybe your assignment. One life. One life. It'll be worth it. So what am I going to do in the midst? What am I going to do practically in the midst of, of 
of pain, of suffering, of disappointments, of the things that I face that don't feel good, for one, make sure you get healed. Get inner healing. Make sure that you be vulnerable to people that you trust that are in your inner circle that will give you good godly advice, that won't throw a pity party with you, that will call you on your stuff, right? Friends that will stab you in the front. <laughs> that means friends that will tell you the truth. That's important. I get rid of disappointments. I make sure that I release them down into the grace of God. Make sure I know when I have them, I stay aware of when I'm tired and I guard my mind even more then. And no matter what season I'm in, I don't take my foot off the gas. It's the only position. The position of your foot on the gas and the position of you on the very front lines of this thing was the only place that you and I were made for. It is the safest place for a Christian to be is on the, on the front lines. <laughs> There's no retreat in this thing. Right? There, there's no even stopping forward movement. I don't care how slow progress may seem. There's no stopping forward movement because when you stop, it's, what's it considered in war? When you stop moving forward, it's, <laughs> it's considered retreat. <laughs> there it is. I heard it. <laughs> it's considered retreat. And there's, we don't have to worry about doing that. That even... While I am wounded, even while I'm walking through stuff, that I don't stop moving forward. It is a marathon. I love sprints. I like them for two reasons. One, I used to be a lot faster than I am today. Two, they're short. Me a hundred over a mile any day. Like, I don't, a, 40 meters, even better. <laughs> but there's endurance that is involved in a marathon. And that endurance is given by the grace of God. And so, as I get ready to, to close, I wanted to do something different, but I've taken up more time than I, I plan to. But I felt like it was important that I get through those scriptures just to be able to paint a picture. You guys still good? So, <clears throat> regardless of the season you're in, pay attention to your thoughts. What fruit are they producing? What are your beliefs producing? Are they producing the fruit of love? You know, we oftentimes talk about going through refinement and, and and uh, just in case you didn't know, you'll you, you be in refinement for the rest of your life. It's just going to look different through different seasons. But in that, sometimes when things come up, those things can feel very true. But while going through refinement, what is the fruit being produced of those things that I believe are true? Is it pushing me towards Jesus and producing love in my life? If it's not, I question whether or not it's kingdom. It's real easy to judge it. Is it producing good fruit or rotten fruit? Is it producing relational fruit? Or is it destroying relationships? What's the fruit that it's producing? I'm looking for that in my own personal life. This is, I'm just telling you, that's, 
That's, it's, it's not overly, don't make it complicated. Just get yourself a couple principles that you live by and pay attention to those things that come into your mind, especially when you're tired, especially when you've grown weary, especially when things don't look good, especially when you're hurting. We all go through that stuff like it's okay. There's so many cliches in, in the Christian world. You come into church, I'm like, always get everybody's, you know, I always get everybody's church face. When they find out I'm a pastor, I always get everybody's best behavior. Everybody's best behavior. During sabbatical, I started playing softball with a group of 20-something-year-olds. None of them know what I do for a living. 20-year-old dudes. They can competitions high. I like it. And um, I, I started to play with them for a couple different reasons. And one of them is because they don't know what I do, and they just treat me like another dude. And so I get the real raw version of them. I like that because I, I just don't get that. <clears throat> and that's okay. But somebody needs to get that out of you. You and I, if you haven't realized it by now, God's not scared of a mess, and there's people around here that aren't scared of your mess either. Because we all still have some messy corner or closet or something that's, that's not neat and tidy, right? And that's okay. The Christian life isn't about having all your T, T's crossed and your I's dotted. It's not about having everything perfectly in place. It's about pursuing relationship with Him and with people and about keeping my love on regardless of what I'm facing and, and learning to love through hard times. Like that's the Jesus model. Learning to love people through tough times and realizing that there is a warfare that is going on and I have what I need in Christ Jesus to be able to win on a daily basis. And it happens right here. One more principle I'll give you before I pray, pray with you is remember to meditate on the promises of God. Like the scriptures, the promises of God in the scriptures. Meditating on the word of God is the thing that changed my life at the beginning. Memorizing scripture. I know people that could tell you every make of car within a particular car maker's line, but couldn't tell you where one scripture is. What am I going to do when tough times come? Call somebody else? What if they don't answer? Who do I have? David said, I encourage myself in the Lord. I need to be able to know. I need to have something to fight with. The word of God is my weapon, right? It's the sword of, it's the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. What am I going to fight with if I don't have any word in me? I'm not telling you got to memorize chapters. I'm just saying know something in there, right? Begin to meditate on scriptures. Jesus wept. It's a great one, right? You can start there and just kind of build on that. Find some that are in Psalms that are five or six words. Whatever it is, I used to carry. Now you can do it in your phone, right? You memorize scripture, meditate on it, meditate on the testimonies, the things that God's done for you. And it'll, it'll change perspective. And so if you would stand with me, pay attention to what we meditate on. God's going to expose where the enemy's been sowing thoughts. The Holy Spirit's going to expose where there's been thoughts that, that have come that don't line up with who He is that came for different reasons. And I believe it's going to help us to get the upper hand and walk in the victory that Jesus won for us. Come on. 
This is what it's this is what it's all about, right? I know I love to fall on the floor and laugh and do all those things. Like not every season's been like that. Some seasons feel like get through more than they feel like breakthrough. But regardless of what they feel like, I don't have to be defeated. And if you feel that way right now, you don't have to stay that way. There's an option. There's a better, there's a better option, right? And it's through basic principles that we talked about today. So Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come. And I ask that you would expose the lies and the seeds that the enemy has tried to sow into our thought life. If we haven't already recognized them, I pray that you would begin to reveal the schemes, the plans, the lies, uh, and expose him and what he's tried to do. And not just to focus on him, but to give us strategy through your word, by your grace, to be able to walk in the fullness of Christ the way that you created us to as sons and daughters. We're taking back, we're taking back our lives from anything that the enemy has exposed them to. We're giving them fully to you, Jesus, in every way. We take back our minds and we give them fully to you, Jesus. We put our minds on the altar today. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are with us to do this with us. But help us in our thought life to reveal truth and reveal what's not true. To bring healing where it's necessary. To bring comfort and peace through situations that are tough. Through real life stuff. We thank you that you're a real life God. That you don't want just the best of us. You just want all of us. <laughs> the mess, everything. So we thank you, Father, for what you're doing and bringing healing to us individually and as a family. I thank you for a room full of people that get what grace is, that get what empowerment is, that get what family is, and ultimately get that you are, that you are good. And so we trust you. We trust you in this season, and we thank you for the weapons of our warfare that you have given us to keep our minds not just guarded, but helping us renew them on a daily basis with truth so that we can think like you, so that we can look like you, talk like you, and love like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Jesus. <laughs> it's good to be back. Yeah, we have a prayer. Do we have a prayer team? I thought we did. I just didn't want to make an assumption. But if you guys need prayer, we want you to come up front. Uh, healing, partnership. You need somebody just to pray through something with you, agree on something with you, whatever it is. They're up here waiting to, to love on you and encourage you. If not, I encourage you to say hi to somebody you've never met before before you leave because, you know, as we continue to grow, we just want to continue to, to get to know each other and connect. 
in new ways so that you know you got other people with you in this because sometimes that's the number one thing the enemy tries to bring at times is loneliness, right? You feel lonely and be in a room full of people. We want that lie to be destroyed, and that happens through genuine relationship. And so connecting with people and sometimes putting yourself out there is one of the ways we do that. So introduce yourself to somebody before you leave. We bless you guys. Thanks so much for being here on Sunday with us. We're super grateful to have you. Thanks for listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Join us each week for another message and listen to past messages by visiting us online at revivetheworld.org.